You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning, Radiant Church. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, thank you to all of you online today that are watching. Uh, my name is Troy Naird. I'm one of the elders here at Radiant Church. I have the privilege, the honor, to be speaking today while our pastor and his wife are away being, getting refreshed and being able to pour into each other and to strengthen their marriage. We all need that. We all need time away. We all need time to rediscover our spouses. Well, today we're going to be taking a journey. Are you ready for a journey? I'm ready too. And finding out who we are, but more importantly, who we are in Christ. So what comes to your mind when you hear the word identity? Well, luckily, I did some homework and I looked on dictionary.com, and this is what they say identity is. Identity is a unique set of characteristics that can be used to identify a person as themselves and no one else. On a personal level, identity often refers to a person's sense of self, meaning how they view themselves as compared to other people. I know nobody in here compares themselves to other people. You know, it's the, what's the old saying, keeping up with the Joneses? You know, they get the car, I should get the car. Right? You get the car and now you're in debt, but you kept up with him. So what are some of the false identities? that people cling to. Think about a minute. John in school, he was the smart kid. So he identified with being the smart kid. Early on when we started Radiant Church in the school, all the kids would come up to me and say, Mr. Troy, he's the drummer. But that wasn't, that's what I did? That's not who I am. I serve on the worship team as a drummer, but that's not who Troy is. And the other worship people that were up here today, they're gifted. They're up here worshiping the Lord, but that's not their identity. Their identity is in him alone. And you know, with that said, it's very important to know what your identity is. You know, if you think about that for a moment, just in your head, plant this seed in your head as we go on. What is your idea of your identity right now? Something has come to every one of your minds when I said that. Keep that there as we move forward. It's dangerous finding your identity in something that can change, or how about this, or can be taken away. You know, your identity is in what you do for a living, right? Then you get that pink slip. Now who are you? You haven't changed. The circumstance has changed. But you're still who God says you are. So here are some, have you ever asked these questions? I know I have. Who am I? How you see yourself. How about this one? How does God see me? What does God think of me? These are questions that require some thoughtful self-checking 
of yourself to answer these. I can relate to all of these. 2016, most of you know my story, I was in a serious motorcycle accident. After that accident, as I laid in Rivers Bend, not unable to walk for four months, with several broken parts of my body, a brain bleed, the list goes on. I did say that. Who am I now? I'm not a service adjuster for an RV industry anymore. So and that means, who am I now? Then the questions turn to, how do I see myself? Well, worth less than I was before. Unable to provide. I'm less of a husband than I was before. All those things go through your head when you're faced with something like that. And then, of course, what does God think of me now? I can't do what I once did. How am I going to be able to minister laying in the bed? Well, he showed me you still can. You can still show his glory, his power, even from a hospital bed. Even when you're going through a diagnosis that you didn't expect, you can still show Christ through your circumstance. So if, to honestly answer these questions, this will impact every single area of your life. You may say, well, what, uh, how do you figure that? Well, if you answer these questions honestly, it will affect your work and your career. Who you will marry. How you relate to others. I know there's no introverts in here. I'm one. But how you relate to others. How you respond to life's situations. We have people in here that I've been able to witness miracles. Phil and Bethany, Bob and Lori. I've seen miracles. How about this uh, last one? Ultimately, where you spend eternity. That one should scare you. Because if you look at yourself in all these negative ways, that can impact you accepting Christ, can it? All of a sudden, you're like, well, I can't do it. I'm not worthy of, let me clean up my act. Let me change some things in my life so I can come to the Lord, and then he'll accept me. You've got it backwards. You've got to come to him broken. You have to come to him as you are. So today we're going to look at how our worth, our value, our identity, and conclude that all three can only be found in Christ. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I come before you today, Father, and uh, I'm just asking simply that um, you use me. I pray, Lord, if there's something in my notes that you don't want said, I pray that you scratch them. Father, I just, I, this is your church. This is your platform. I am simply up here speaking today. I am giving the church what you have given me to say to the church. Father, I have learned so much preparing this. I have learned so much about Troy. I have learned still my weaknesses. I have learned still that who I am, what I'm able to do now, what I'm not doing anymore, that's okay. Because you give, you take away. But you always replace it with another part of who you designed us to be. 
So, Lord, I'm asking today as uh, people listen to your word, to your message, to these verses, that you open up their hearts, open up their minds, that they see at the end of this message that who they are is not what they do, but it's who you say that they are. So, Father, I thank you again for this church. I thank you for those online, and I'm asking for your will to be done. In Christ's name, amen. So, before we can really understand our identity in Christ, what about if we look at our identity without Christ? Ouch, right? So we're going to look at the following verses and see who, I'm going to personalize who you are, who I am, apart from Christ. First one we're going to look at is James 4.4. It'll be up on the screen. If you, have your, if you have your Bible, open it up. If you have your phone, open up the verse, follow along, and of course, the easy way, it'll be on the screen behind me. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. That's a lot to think about. Isn't it? This is somebody who is apart from Christ. This is what God says. You are. Don't yell at me. When you get up there one day, talk to James. And uh, here's the meaning of the word enmity. It'll be up on the screen. The state of feeling, the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Hostile. And what did God just say before that? means enmity against God, and you are what? An enemy of God. Our second verse is Timothy 1.15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. According to these verses, we are, number one, opposed to hostile Opposed or hostile towards God and the worst of sinners. That's who God says we are apart from Christ. That should be a wake-up for us, guys. You know, we can say we're all clean. I, you think back with the, with the Philistines and the, and the different thing with the Pharisees when they put their best on, don't they? They put their best on. And Christ says, man, you're You're filthy. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, it's really ugly. You know, we can put on our good face. I like to call it our church face. When you walk into the doors, you just argue for 25 minutes with your wife on the way here. You walk through those doors and you say, man, life's great. I'm living the dream. All those things at home, man, it's fantastic. Couldn't be better. We put that face on, don't we? So now we're going to take a look at what our future looks like. I'm sorry. We're going to go to, according to these verses, our future apart from Christ is, number one, wrath and anger, trouble and distress, idolaters, consigned to the fiery lake of the burning sulfur, and the second death. And we'll look at, again, don't get mad at me, we're going to go to Revelations 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, 
the sexually immoral, those who are practice magic arts, the idolaters, and the all liars. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now what I've taken uh, this message basically from is Romans 2, uh, 8 through 9. You can read what he says. But those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. I know these are some strong, some strong words, but I promise you it gets better when Christ enters the picture. We live in a world today that tells us our identity is whatever we are feeling, whatever we want to be. We live in a society today that struggles with their sexuality, that struggles with their identity, and they try to find who they are, and they look to someone else. They look to the government to tell them who they are. They look to a friend who says, well, you're not that. You're not a Christian. You're this. Well, first thing I would tell you is get some wise counsel from someone who is a Christian, a leader at the church, a pastor, an elder, a leader that is able to help you to discern that because it's critical. So here's a few things that do not define you. What others think about you. Does that bother anybody? What others think of you? There should be amens all over the house. You know, what do people think about me? Why don't we simply ask, what does God think about me? Who cares what someone thinks about you? Unless you're out robbing stores, holding up banks, well then, that's a different story. How about this one? What you look like in the mirror. Does that define who you are? Because I'll tell you what, as time goes on, that person you see in the mirror is going to change. I always say as you get younger, things change. You start seeing a different person in that mirror. And hopefully, the person that you see in the mirror is still the same person that Christ died for. Not looking in the mirror and saying, oh man, that's me, I've gained 10 pounds, I've gained whatever. Okay. I mean, there's health reasons to not do that, but still, do you think that changes how God looks at you? I think not. College kids, kids in high school, your grade point average doesn't define you. Because you didn't make the honor roll? Are you a failure? It doesn't define who you are. Not at all. If you didn't get the job promotion, oh, yeah, yeah, that hurts. That still doesn't define who you are. How about your talents and abilities? I used to do this, I can't do that. That's personal for me. Things that I once could do, I cannot do. But that's okay. Because the things I cannot do is picture a, a bush out in your garden or, and you're pruning those branches, right? Because you have to prune them because they're going to get in the way of the flowers. They're going to get in the way and, and cause problems, right? Well, I think God does that same thing to us. He has to prune branches. He has to remove those things that harm us. This one was a personal one for me today. This does not define you, the clothes you wear. I told Ann yesterday, I said, what do I wear tomorrow? I can't let pastor down. 
you know, what am I going to wear? Does that define me? Of course, I have a wife that says, they'll be laid out, just wear this. And I'm like, praise God. That's a good thing. How about this one? Another personal one for me. This does not define you, your weaknesses. Think about it. If you don't have a weakness in here, raise your hand. And if you have no weaknesses, please talk to me afterwards so I can find out what your secret is. Because I would like to know. But again, these things do not define you. I, kinda, I taught some of this to our young adults group. And um, I really think it spoke to them. Some of them are in here. We had quite a few in the first service that are in the young adults group. And it's just something to really think about. The things that you think define you does not have an age barrier. It can be a five-year-old thinking that if she doesn't have that toy, that defines her. Because why? Well, because Julie has one. But I don't. So that does not have no respecter of age when you start worrying about what defines you. There's many books written on the topic of self-identity. Just go to Barnes and Noble, go wherever you want, look in that aisle, you'll be amazed. There's stuff, go on Amazon and sit down and lose an hour and look at all the books that they have. There is, however, one book that remains the same over time. It is true for all situations and for all people. Obviously, that book is the Bible. Through it, God gives us perspective on who we are and our relationship with him. It lays a firm foundation. Because like I said earlier, you lose that job. How's your foundation holding up now? Where Christ gives you a firm foundation. The question is, are you relying on something or someone else to define who you are? Think about that for a minute. Are you living your life right now who others say you are? You're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. You're like, okay, I'll be this and that and this. And then God's saying, that's not who you are. That's not who I designed you to be. I have bigger plans for you, Troy. Just hold on. All right, I think we beat you up enough. So let's look and see who God says you are. This is all based from, and it was so amazing, this verse. Um, after the first service, Mark's wife came up to me, and she had a shirt on that said chosen. And it was this verse. And she said, when that verse popped up on the screen, Troy, I looked at my shirt, and I said, yes. And it's true. Here we go. You ready? For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. How about this? God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into, into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. 
I mean, think about that for a minute. This was the past, right? Those of you, I know those of you that got baptized, what does that symbolize? The dead is buried. You're raised to life. That's a new life. Forgetting what lies behind. Keeping your eyes on the prize, the Lord Jesus. That's what you've got to get in your heart. Because people, people beat you up. People tell you who you are. And that's not the way God had it. So we're going to unpack this verse a little and see what, see who we are according to God. If you're note takers, I hear that you get a special spot in heaven. So this will be point number one. We are God's chosen people. I'll have them pull that verse up once again, and you'll see I have an underline there. You are a chosen people. God chose you. That should mean something. Your wife cho chose you. Your husband chose you. That's something. Isn't it nice to have be accepted and have somebody choose you over someone else? Well, God did that. It says right here, you are his chosen people. Now, think about that a minute. For me, as I was preparing this, that was, it was kind of, you know, I'm trying to comprehend. Here's God in his amazing power and wisdom has looked at Troy, has looked at you, and said, this is the person I love. I want to know this person better. I choose you. That's what God says. Who cares what the guy next door says? Number two, we are royal priests. Pull that back up there. You can see I've also underlined that for you are chosen people and you are royal priests. Let this sink in, your royalty. You ladies wanted to be a queen, you guys want to be a king, your royalty. There it is. Through the blood of Jesus, that's who you are, right? You are an adopted child of God. You are an adoptive child of the creator of this universe. Let that sink in a minute. He has chose you, adopted you, and said that you are a royal, like a royal priest. He loves you, not as a friend or follower on Instagram or Facebook, but he loves, he, he's your friend. Because here's the difference. I'm sure a lot of people have Facebook. I do too, and I'm trying to wean off that. And the different items. You post what you want people to see. You wanted them to see the good side of you, right? You want to see all those other that, oh, again, identity, isn't it? This is who Troy is. But then you have your spouse, if you're married, your children, and they say, well, that's not my dad. He runs around here yelling and screaming and nothing's perfect and he's never happy. But they see the real you, don't they? Your family. Well, you know what? Newsflash, God sees the real you too. You know, you can post whatever you want, but in the end, does your walk match your talk, right? He loves you as his son or his daughter. Let that one sink in. There's people in here probably today, and I've talked with some people in the church that their father's not their father doesn't treat them that way. Their mother doesn't treat them like a mother should. And that's hard, isn't it?
But God says what? I choose you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll walk beside you, behind you, and in front of you and guide your steps if you let me. Priests in the Old Testament were given the privilege of appearing before the Lord with requests. That's who got to go in the temple. That's who got to, they would have to, pastor touched on it. They would have to uh, dress in their fine robes that were made for them. It was a big deal. They didn't wear them all the time. They wore them and they went into the, uh, before the Lord, dressed as priests. And they were allowed to talk to God. Enter Jesus. You have that access. You can just go to him. Doesn't always have to be Troy, doesn't have to be Pastor Jacob, it doesn't have to be Pastor Marco. You have that same access that we do. We can pray for you. We can come alongside of you. When you get off them tracks, we can point you back to Christ. And that's what our job is. We can't walk in your shoes. We can't go through what you're going through. But we can love you and we can try to help you and try to point you back to the way that you should go. So all of this means because of Christ's ultimate sacrifice on the cross, we are free to come before God. Let that sink in. You know, some of you may say, I can't go. He, you don't know what I did. Well, newsflash, he does. He knows what you did. He knows what you're going to do if you want to get really deep. So why would you hide from your father? Take your earthly father out of this and run to your heavenly father because he will not disappoint you. He will not leave you where you're at. Number three, we belong to God. That should be very comforting. You belong to God. Bob, you belong to God. Troy belongs to God. That should be freeing. So I'll pull that verse up, and I got that underlined for you. You are God's very own possession. Think about that. Any uh, Lord of the Ring fans in here? Yeah, me too. I knew you would be, Lucas. But think about it. What was Smeagol's precious? It was the ring, right? He, he fought tooth and nail for that thing, didn't he? My precious. That's how God looks at you. My precious. Peyton, you are precious. I love you so much. You gotta let that sink in. That you are his possession. To belong to God is to feel safe and secure. We always like to think our spouses can give us that. News flash, they'll let you down. That's why Anne's not sitting in there. She didn't want to have have to say, Amen. But we do let our spouses down. We do. But in God, you are safe and you are secure. Let that really, really get in your heart. And you say, why do you say that? I'm glad you asked. Psalm 103. Know that God, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And we are his, we are his people. I love this. And the sheep of his pasture. Think about that for a minute. God has a pastor out there, and that pastor's sitting in here today. You belong to him. You know, you think, think of uh, Corey Asbury's song, Reckless Love. 
the 99. If you're a shepherd, you lose a sheep. I'm telling you, they drop it all. They go out and they find it, and then they celebrate. They have a party because they found the sheep. And that's something that really should stick to you. You are in his pasture, right? So he may one day look at his, oh, tell Jesus, look at my beautiful, look at my people, look at my sons, my daughters. Hey, wait, where's Troy? They're going to look. They're going to pull you back because I love you. You are chosen. And even this, trust and connection are deeper in a relationship with God than any other. Sorry, it's a deeper relationship than a husband. It's a deeper relationship than a wife. It's even a deeper relationship of a relationship with your child. You can love them. You can get mad at them. You can make them go to bed early. You can not give them a snack. There's so many things that, as parents, we do, right? But that relationship with God is so much different. It's just so much different. You can come to him and draw close to him. And what does his word say? He'll draw close to you. And he will rest upon you and give you what you need to get through whatever you're going through today. We have a pretty good-sized crowd here today, so everybody in this room is going through something. You're carrying something today. God is telling you that you have no deeper relationship in your life than me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. It makes also... Um, sense that our creator would know what we need and be able to offer it. And you say, okay, where's that in scripture? I'm glad you asked. We're going to go to Psalm 44. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Think about that. People make mistakes. People sometimes may give you not the best advice, but how can you go wrong when you give advice to someone and then you open this up and you say, wow, that matches? Because it makes all the difference in the world. Because God speaks to you in three ways, church. Through his word, through prayer, and through others. Remember that. God still speaks today. And if you don't think he does, I'd love to talk to you after service. Because he does speak. And those are the three ways. So if you have somebody that's in your life and you're going through something and they're speaking to you and they're speaking to you with truth, with love, with his word, you might want to listen. You might want to listen because there is truth in here. Troy errors. Troy makes mistakes. Perfect is this. That's where you get your identity from. Now, let's go to the Jesus' words from Matthew 6, 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. You have something on your heart today that is just tearing you down? Why aren't you going to God? Why aren't you up here with the prayer team saying, can you come alongside of me and help me because I'm struggling? I'm struggling today. It's humbling to come up for prayer. I think back when I, I was saved in 1983. Yeah, you think I know more now, huh? And I remember the altar calls. 
in the old Baptist church when they would say, come up if you want to know Christ, if you want to accept Christ. And you're sitting in there and you're wearing a hole in the back of the chair in front of you. You're digging your nails in. But you don't come up. You don't come up. Holy Spirit's going. And you're going, somebody get that? That's not how it works. You have to be sensitive. You have to be open. And you have to know that. The answer you're looking for today, he's got it. What does his word say? You have not because what? You ask not. And that sometimes you got to drop your pride. Or as Bob's favorite artist says, Jeremy Camp, lay down your pride and just come before the Lord and say, help, I need you. Okay, number four, our identity is in Christ. If you're not receiving information from God of who you are, let me ask you this today. Where you're getting your input from? Throughout the New Testament, there are many verses that describe our life when we are in Christ. I gave you some bad news earlier. Now we're going to give you some good stuff. John 6:40. For my Father's will is not that will is that everyone who looks to the Son, Jesus Christ, and believes in him shall have what? eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Show of hands, anybody in here want peace today? Yeah. Peace sometimes you know, we want um, peace on our own terms. We'll have peace if you give me this God. But if you don't give me that, I'm not going to be happy about it. Who's the one that made the bad choice? You walk around with a chip on your shoulder, empty of peace, voided of peace, and you're trying to find the answers. Where God says, I got you. Come to me. We read it right here, right? We have peace with God. So here are four things that the Bible says are your identity. Notice I didn't say here are four things that the world says that is your identity. Number one, no one can take that away from you. Because God has given you an identity, right? You belong to him, right? You belong to Christ. No one. And take that away from you. Nothing you do, no matter what life throws at you or what you have done. Amen. And that one feel good. There's nothing that Troy can do, has done, will do, that is going to take that away from Troy. Because why? It's called mercy and grace. It's called Christ. It's called just such mercy. You know, and, and isn't that a blessing to know that God has seen your past. He sees your present. He sees your future. And he asks what of us? Trust me. In Psalms it says that the word is a lamp to my feet, right? I, I think about that and I internalize that a little bit. And I think of 
back in the day, they were walking in caves, right? Dark caves. I'd want a lamp to know where I'm going, right? It was a lamp to their feet, right? They walked and they could see what was going on. And God says, I will, my word will be a lamp to your feet. When you're facing this, I'm your lamp. When you're going through this, I'm your lamp. When you're over here and you're lost, turn on the lamp. Get this out. Get this out and read it. Get on your knees and pray. Ask him. Because this is why he left us this. This is why Christ left us what? The Holy Spirit, right? What did he say? There is one coming greater than I that will be with you always. And that's how you get through things. I like number three. Jesus sees the full picture of who you are. You don't have to go to him and say, man, I hope I look good. I'm going to pray today. And No, he already sees who you are. And he accepts who you are. You know what the problem is? I believe at times is we don't accept who we are. We don't accept who Christ says we are. We would rather be worried and turmoil and think that, well, I'm supposed to be this at work and I have to put this, I have to do that. No, you don't. You be who he says you are. Number four, the Christian's true identity is no longer that of a sinner, but that of a holy saint. Think about it. Have you accepted that today? That you're no longer a sinner? If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, and as we just went through, you belong to him, right? You are royal priests, right? Have you let go of what you did 10 years ago, last month, week ago? You went to God and you prayed about it, didn't you? You went to him, you repented, you turned your way, you went the other way. But yet then we come back, don't we? We come back with that same thing and say, God, forgive me for, you know, and I just picture God saying, what? Forget what? Didn't, didn't we talk about this last week? I've forgotten it. Let's move forward, Troy. Let's move. Let's go. And that's what we have to learn to do. So my big point today is your identity in Christ cannot be shaken or destroyed. He has called it. He is God. It cannot be shaken. It cannot be destroyed. Who can mess it all up? Me. Or what other people try to say that I am? It's not true. I'm going to lean on what he says, what Christ says that Troy is. So in, uh, in closing, oh, you guys are up already. Awesome. Here's some questions for you. What are you finding you... Maybe you're here today and you're trying to find your identity in one of the following. Your job. It's not who you are. A job is what you do. It's not who you are. I think back when Radiant Church started in the school. Um, I was the only drummer. And I remember all the little kids would always go and say, Mr. Troy, he's our drummer. That's what I did. It's not who I was. Because if I bought into that, and I, I'm not able to drum anymore, who am I now? I'm not a drummer anymore. So, that's not who I am. So your job is not who you are, it's what you do. How about this? Your own strength and abilities. Ouch. 
That completely changed for me after the accident. My strengths look different, my abilities look different. I lost a lot of things, I lost a big part of me. But Christ gave me new abilities. He gave me a new goal. He, he said, I have pruned you. Gardeners out here, you know, you're trying to uh, with, clean up your roses and thorns are trying to get them, aren't they? You gotta cut them off, you gotta, you gotta trim that, right? Otherwise what? It won't live. And I believe that's the same way that Christ looks at our life. He says, Troy, before you can be who I want you to be, I'm going to put you through some. I'm going to do some pruning. And you'll be on the right track again. The way you look. There's a big one. Your finances. Does that tell you who you are? I'm a failure because I have 500 bucks in the bank. And I'm a rock star. I got $6,000 in the bank. It's not who you are. Because what? God gives and God takes away, doesn't he? You have to be secure in Christ. Not your bank account. Not the way you look. Because we all know as we get younger, that changes. And here's the key to those things I just told you. Every single one of them can be taken from you. Your looks. Your finances. Your job. Your health. What's left then? Ouch, right? What's left is the anchor. The anchor in the storm. Your Savior who walks on water. Who says to the waters, be still, and they're still. That's who you put it in. So Radiant Church, your actual identity, the part that truly and accurately describes who you are, at the core of your being, that cannot change because that is what? Designed by God. As he knitted you together in the womb, he decided who Troy is. He's decided who you are. He said, Derek, I love you. And he designed Derek the way Derek is. So you see, church, your true identity, bottom line, is an amazing gift from God. It's an amazing gift. Think about it. The question today for us is, and for you, is are you going to receive that gift? Or are you going to reject that gift? God has given us each an identity in Christ. It's up to us to accept it, reject it, deny it, or to trust 